Thank you for joining us at Conversations to Inspire. I am your host, Teresa Moore. There are many facets to the mind-body-spirit connection. In this episode, we delve into the power of our creative minds and the importance of music in our lives. Our guests on this episode are Matt and Barb Jacobs. Matt is the creative genius behind the music of Sixth Skin. Matt has produced 12 albums, and you can listen to Sixth Skin on Spotify, iTunes, or any streaming music player, and I strongly encourage you to check it out, as well as Matt's Instagram page at underscore Sixth Skin. Matt and I discuss his genre of music and how he got started constructing and producing his music, as well as the bands that have inspired him over the years. We talk about the power of creativity, the emotional connection music provides, as well as how producing music has helped Matt heal past traumas, as in his album, Socio's Path. Matt teaches us how others can create or produce music, the importance of investing hard work and effort into pursuing any creative project, and educates us about the products available to produce music as an independent artist. Matt tells us about the power of the subconscious mind, as he typically works on anywhere from 10 to 30 projects simultaneously. Matt encourages and inspires other artists to pursue their own musical gifts. Thank you for joining us at Conversations to Inspire, as we welcome Matt and Barb Jacobs to the show. Matt is the creative genius behind the music of Sixth Skin. He is a musician and has produced 12 albums, his first one in 2013. Matt, how would you classify your genre of music? Uh, well, I try to stay away from specific genres. I actually, kind of my thing that I do is I like to put a lot of different sounds and textures that are very genre specific and kind of remove them and put them in other different soundscapes, I guess. So it'd still be like electronic and electronica, but I like to take a lot of different different sounds and textures that I haven't heard before or haven't used before and put them into like maybe like more of a hip hop beat or something like that, but more of like put it with a flute or a guitar or something that sounds different that I haven't heard before. I like so. it that you use the word texture because music we always think as multi-level and possibly incorporating more than just hearing, but to incorporate the, the sense of feeling to it. Right, Not just right. emotional feeling, but tangible feeling is right, right. a great descriptor. Yeah, I mean, music's always been one of the main driving forces in my life that's been a constant that, you know, I listen to a lot of different kinds of music. There's most most genres I can deal with, but it has to have, if I don't get any feeling out of it, you know, pretty quickly and I, I don't really continue on with it, but I still can do a little bit of country and all different kinds of things and I'll always be a metalhead. And I've listened to electronic music for a long, long time as well. Certain electronic music I don't particularly care for as well. So it's not like I'm all one or all, mm -hmm. you know, not at all in this genre. So yeah, varied. That's and yeah. I always feel most people are, I think, that you like a lot of different types of music, but there's probably one or two that most people say, Yeah, that's that one that I'm not gonna listen to. Right, right, right. How did you get started? I guess not only producing music, but you you were in love with music from a young age. Very young. Yeah. So my some of my earliest memories were music related, I guess. I remember when I was like four or five years old, my brothers uh my parents left for some function. My two older brothers turned off all the lights and put on uh, Rush's 2112 album, The Overture. Excellent. And shut off all the lights and just cranked it really high. And 
I just remembered that this is like one of the coolest things I can early remember is like, this is really cool. I like this and kind of the, it just really stuck with me, like the theatricality of the music and having the lights off and, you know, that added to it quite a bit. Yeah, the multi-dimension. How old were you when that uh, happened? Probably like maybe like five, but I distinctly remember being in the living room there too. Back in the day, we had the old eight track player. Yeah, listening, sitting in a beanbag chair when I was six years old, listening to Elton John's greatest hits, stuff like that. My parents listened to mostly country and stuff like that. But like my mom was a huge Roy Orbison fan. My dad was a Willie Nelson fan. So I grew up with all of that too. In high school, I started, I listened mostly to what was hip hop at the time and then started getting more into rock music was always there, but then started getting more into electronic music and just found out that I had like this pretty voracious appetite for music in general. So some of my earliest memories are definitely music related. And very, very impactful to you. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you learn to play a musical instrument when you were younger? Uh, no, that was my biggest regret probably going through high school is that I played football and I worked a lot. So I didn't really do any musical instrument. I attempted guitar and failed heinously three times, uh, including uh, electric, acoustic, and bass guitar. Bass guitar had some success, but... And then uh, I basically bought my lovely wife a keyboard for Christmas, uh, probably my second year of college. And after like a month, she said, get your own. And it, <laughs> it just kind of... So now you have the, two, at least. Yeah, yeah that's kind of where it started. She never got to use it because I was playing with it. So then my love of keyboard just kind of went from there. And then I started doing some music with a friend of mine who's a drummer, but I just started finding that I tend to work better on my own and have my own ideas. And so we did that for like maybe like two years and I just started really wanting to take it more seriously and see what I could do both as a musician and as a producer and just learn and grow and get better and just start tearing down barriers of what are traditional like genres and stuff like that. And then I also did some drumming as well. Ended up going to a concert at Lollapalooza. There's a excellent musician, Jack Garrett, who I love, and watched him play drums and with a guitar around his neck while he was singing and playing keyboard at the same time. And that's multi-talented and multitasking. Yeah, and I he could play the drums better than I could, you know, after four years of practicing with one arm and one leg. So I was just kind of like I think I'll give up on the drums now. <laughs> it was a, a bittersweet moment. It was great to see somebody could do that, but if somebody could do it with half their body, I just figured I'd just hone in on making beats more with keyboards and things like that because I just didn't have the motor skills necessary to drum as effectively as I would like to. Mm -hmm. So, And Barb, after giving Matt your keyboard, then years after that, you started playing guitar. Oh, many, many years after. I always wanted to do something other than piano. I, I learned when I was in eighth grade, we had a, a class at school. Um, and then I just decided that it would be fun to try to go a little bit further out and actually learn how to read music a little bit better. Um, I've always been one of those people that I just, I have to see it and, and do what it's telling me. I don't have that, that innate ability to just be able to come up with my own things like Matt can. And I kind of feel like him not having learned an instrument 
and not having to have the confines of reading music has allowed him to just do yeah. anything and everything that he could possibly imagine. To, there, to this day, to I still can't read music. Yeah. I can play stuff by ear, but I, I, when I look at sheet music, I, I get the basic premise of where it's going, but as far as notation and all that stuff, don't read it at all. I find that fascinating because I'm just the opposite. Playing piano and trumpet through school, I never, I could never improv. I couldn't play music just off the cuff. But even now today, when I sit down to play piano, my kids are you know, watching these great YouTube videos with all these different ways to learn sure. and tabs on guitar. I'm like, I can't, I, my brain is so narrow and focused that I can't play mm -hmm. unless I have sheet music. And that's a really great point you bring up that it probably broadened your perspective to be able to not have those walls that you had to stay within. Right, and that's kind of how I approach songwriting too, is that either I have like, a particular emotion or a setting or something that I want to convey. I'll try to build a song like what what would this soundtrack of this be like if I actually did experience this or you know I I did write a couple of songs for people in particular that I customized to them as far as like kind of like a tribute to them or that I just wanted to make a song specifically for them and how they've impacted me. So I did write one for my dad when he passed away is a huge part of my life. That's where a lot of my love of music came from was, was from him. So I wrote a song about that and I wrote one for Barb's mom as well. And uh, just, and a couple of other friends too. Sometimes I do that for a person or just like, I think of a particular setting or something like that. And I just want to write a soundtrack to it or I just get fixated, like messing around in the studio. I get fixated on, a particular sound that either a keyboard has or that I've developed or a sample I really like and all of a sudden it's got a certain texture or pop to it. And I just wanna just put that in and just keep grinding away until I find something that frames out an entire song around that. Well, we're recording this now in Matt's studio. And the I mean the walls are plastered with album art and it's it's a just a beautiful setting and mm -hmm. probably inspire the creative juices as well. Yeah, I decided to kind of customize this place with movie posters and albums and stuff like that that or, you know, concert posters of concerts that I've been to just kind of completely immerse it so that, you know, I have inspiration like all around me, both things that I really enjoyed in the past or artists that have inspired me like I can't even list my influences. This would be like five hours long. So <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty varied. But uh, I mean, Nine Inch Nails is a big one. I think Trent Reznor is just a otherworldly talent. Like he's songwriter. He's, he's phenomenal musician. He's really good and just does film scores and all kinds of stuff like that. So I can really appreciate a individual's approach to music, especially when they're a real disruptor of music and they don't stick to the just kind of candy like the social coated. norms or something that yeah expecting. that's that's one thing i i don't mind pop music too much but it's so manufactured and you can tell that there's five or six people wrote it and probably not the person who's allegedly singing it either when they can't sing and it's auto-tuned and that kind of music i have very little patience for i guess or I mean, tolerance it, yeah yeah it's catchy and all but there's no substance, essentially. Not saying everything. I I strive to have, have substance substance with everything I do. Maybe some people think it's just crap, but that's that's the thing. I, I don't care. I make music literally for me, 
And if anyone else in the world streams it or likes it and it brightens their day even for three minutes and 30 seconds, then it did its job. I'm glad that you had mentioned some of your um, inspiration, Mm -hmm. um, different artists, because I was going to ask you that. Faith No More, they're a band that literally can do anything, any genre, anything like that. Some of the weirder ones like Ween, you know, they're, they can do anything too. Um, a lot of bands I listen to, like Failure, for example, is has influenced like so many other bands and so has Faith No More. And it's interesting, me being 48 years old, talking to some coworkers in that who are in their early 20s, you know, I'll play them this music and they're like, oh, the, this band reminds me of, and they'll name off like seven or eight other bands i'm like well but yeah they, they influenced all these other bands i guess that's one of the joys of being a little older <laughs> not, broader history of your music yeah a little older no, let's not go too crazy here so so when you started producing music you probably had different equipment than you do now oh yeah and yeah. how did you just finally decide one day you know i'm going to produce an album or did it not even start that way how- not really I recorded a lot of stuff on cassette tape to bring a it, bring up, cassette bring recorder. up my age once again. <laughs> but, but yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how it started. It was an uh, eight track though. Yeah. So be okay with that. Yeah, yeah. So be okay with that. Be I like okay that. with that. Yeah. So on cassette tape, and uh, never was one to do like cover songs or anything like that, and I just started recording it. But then I started just really trying to focus on song structure and developing not just putting stuff just recording stuff but it's like i want to want to tell a story but that's why i never used lyrics in my music i did i did um do one hip-hop album with my nephew and i did all the music and the producing and he did the lyrics so that's the only like lyrical content of anything i've ever done but i purposely don't do i do instrumentals because i want people to feel whatever they want to feel. I don't want them to be told by lyrics, this is what this song is about. Because that's one thing I think is so powerful about music is it can both bring people together because they feel a common thing or it can be something totally unique to somebody else. And I kind of, once I work on the songs and I make the songs and I release them after I've mastered them and done all the producing and stuff, once I put them out there, I don't, feel like they're my songs anymore. It's like everybody else's now, you know? It's like, they're just me while I'm in the cave kind of, you know, watering them and cultivating them. But after that, it's something that I had a part of, but it's it's really not mine anymore. It's for everybody else to either totally ignore it or make it a part of their life if they choose to. That's beautiful because you said to release it and not only release it as in releasing an album, but almost to release it and set it free and give it wings to inspire or touch right, right. anybody else. Yeah. And I, I purposely, I don't have any desire to be, to have any sort of fame or anything like that. That's not why I do it. I feel like the best musicians that I know and love that I looked up to would have made the music because they just intrinsically had to, just to get it out. And I find that kind of therapeutic where I can just shut out the world and just kind of just start messing with some beats and writing some melodies and stuff like that. So then I can just kind of tune stuff out and just focus on that. And hopefully if somebody's 
looking for that same kind of thing and one of my songs resonates with them where they can just shut the the world out for a little bit that that's kind of the goal i love that well and on the flip side too you used to do football flight right. football at an older age yeah but when your body got to the point where you just couldn't anymore then this really became the, the way the outlet for you to yeah be able definitely. to get that emotion out yeah yeah definitely so as you're starting to produce and you're making your own music. Mm. You put together your first album. Did you actually plan on releasing an album at the moment? Or were you just uh, going- Yeah, I made a conscious decision. Like, I'm going to put an album out. And I'm just going to make 12 songs that I really like. Just going to put it out there and release it. So I went through Catapult Music Distribution. They make it very easy. Once you do all the mastering and everything, you just upload it there. It was like one flat fee of like $90 to release it worldwide. Then it, they, you can track like where it's being streamed and all that stuff, like where in the world and all that. And I don't do anything really to promote my music at all. I just kind of want to literally just let it float out there into the ether and whoever finds it, great. It's but purely I'm, organic. Yeah, I'm not going to... I was on social media and stuff like that. I do Instagram to keep people updated on what I'm working on and things like that. But I only post if an album's like, well, this came out five years ago or this is about to come out in a week, but that's pretty much it. I don't do Facebook or any of those other things. I feel like social media tears people apart way more than it brings them together. So it's anti-social media as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) That's a great nomenclature. You were explaining to me earlier that you have like access to tens of thousands of tracks. Yeah, it's either samples or existing sounds in my keyboards, which I can customize or- Or create your own with the keyboard and record it Yeah, and I built my studio where I've got like one of each kind of different brand of keyboard. They have their own sounds and their own distinct things. And there's some overlap there, but oftentimes if I start making a- a song it's just it's just like i'll start with either a beat or a particular sound or texture i really like and just play it over and over again and then just decide like well what i think would go with this and then sometimes i'll purposefully to kind of kick the genre doors down a little bit it's like these notes will go good with this but i want it to be like maybe more like a like a india bansari flute or something that you don't hear all the time in your standard either electronic music or something like that. Not a big fan of dubstep, but I did take a dubstep beat. And usually dubstep songs are at 140 beats per minute pretty religiously. I did not know that. I took that and I actually slowed it down to like 90 beats per minute. And I made like a kind of a Latino flavored dubstep song. I used a India Bansari flute and a Mexican guitar on and played a part with that and threw some bongos in. So I just took the dubstep beat and slowed it way down and just called the song uh, El Corazon and just kind of, which is, you know, the heart in Spanish, but just, just to see if I could do it kind of mad scientist type thing, just to see if it would sonically jive with each other. And if it would, you know, if it would sound good to me, which again, I, I do value people's opinions to a certain point, but if I'm going to spend all the time and effort on it, it has to be something that I like and hopefully other people like it. But even if they don't, I'm okay with that too. I'm not trying to impress another living, breathing person with this. It's just something I do for myself. And I appreciate your work because you are going to be doing the music for this podcast. So thank you for that. 
Yeah, if I can get it right, we'll see. Or, or if I can make a decision. Yeah. <laughs> you were explaining to me earlier about, you know, starting how you actually construct your music, that you start with the percussion. Can you yeah. take us through that steps, those uh, steps? Yeah, I mean, when you're when you're looking to make a song, you generally want to have kind of the backbone of the song is going to be the percussive elements, the basic rhythm. And then I personally like to layer more than one rhythm together so that there's more going on in the song. You get a sense of some some sort of kinetic motion in the song, basically. And I don't do that all the time, but I like to do that if, I, if it can make sense. And oftentimes I like to throw some different percussive elements into it that don't sound like just your average drums, like it's day-to-day sounds I've sampled or something like that. Just kind of mix that in there. Then you have your bass line, and that's the bass line and the the percussive elements are kind of the backbone and the foundation of the song. Then you just got to start taking your melodic elements, and even if you recorded a good melodic element, if it doesn't jive with some of the other tracks that you've added, you might end up deleting a part that you really like, and then you got to kind of reform and build it to something else. And usually it ends up being something better. Or I work on it for too long, I get frustrated with it. I might just delete the entire project and just go on to something new, which drives Barb crazy because she'd be like, why are you going to delete that? You know, this is really cool, this part. I'm like, oh, I'll just come up with something else. But once I get to a point where I'm not enjoying the process, then I just usually just wipe the slate clean completely. And that's, she's not here for the six hours I've been trying to make it work. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> over the course of a couple of days and then I just I'm just kind of done with it. See, I would have a hard time scrapping anything that I've spent that much of an investment in as well. I'd yeah. be like, okay, I have to make this work. Well, and it's like I just want them to like keep it. You don't have oh, to somewhere. like get and rid I- of it, just like move it elsewhere and then you can come back to it later. No, I just I'm done. I know. I know myself. <laughs> it just drives me insane. <laughs> I'm like, you've worked so hard on this. It's like, why would you just let it go completely? Because if it's something I don't think is working for me and I'm making the music for me, I don't want to ever settle. It's either going to be what I want it to be or it's not going to exist. And you're decisive and you know. Yes, yes. Yes, See, I couldn't do that either. I would be struggling and be like, oh my gosh, I have to keep working on this. I can't decide. I can make it better, I I promise. I, I do put a lot of effort into it, but when I get to that point, and it's interesting because I'll usually be working on anywhere from like 10 to 30 songs at once simultaneously just and yeah how can you keep them straight um that's part of the joy i just part of your music if i get something stuck in my head i have to i'll do something to develop and record it but then i like to kind of shut that off and just try to work on something completely different and that's how some of my best stuff has come out and then i'll come back to it and if i come back to it like maybe a month later, and I don't like how it sounds, I'll either try to change it or I'll just get rid of it. And in the process of me making an album for myself, for every minute of fully recorded music that I have, it's about maybe like three to four hours total between writing the song, producing it, arranging it properly, mastering it. So that that's kind of how the, the pace works. I try to release about like two albums a year. Sometimes it's just one. But. That's mind boggling. That many hours for one minute. Well, I'm, that's how I kind of focused on making it sound as good as it possibly can, both through arrangement and 
the techniques I've learned to to mix and master and stuff like that, which I still have a lot to learn. I'm all self-taught on everything. Thank both, you. I was just going to ask you that. Both from the musical side. I mean, you watch a couple of tutorial videos and stuff and it'll get you pointed in the right direction, but it, it still doesn't suit the producer's individual taste. Well, and it's also your own hearing. Right. You know, you'll tell me to listen to something and I'll listen to it and I'll be like, I don't hear a difference. I don't know what you're talking about. You're like, but no, it's really, really different. Yeah, I'm kind of obsessive about that. So and it's probably the way your brain is wired too, almost like that just musical genius where you are so attuned to things. Uh, I don't know if we right? need to be throwing genius around so genius, often. Genius, musical <laughs> it's genius. It's a hobby. We'll just keep it at that. I enjoy and love music. So if that helps me create things and I'll, I'll accept that as a gift from God, but I don't know about the whole genius part. <laughs> You know, just to have you being able to do this without any formal training and, what, again, going back to not being able to read music, perhaps, and not having your talent confined or even your passion confined, and just gives you so much more free reign to be able to do anything, you know, from your heart. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the main reason why I do it. It's just, it's a really good outlet for creative energy and things like that. When I was younger, I used to be a pretty angry little man. I was a bully. So that's where football helped a lot. Uh, to I could you know get away with smacking people around and not get in trouble. And then, as Barb said, when my body started to fail for that, then I had to find something else to uh, kind of channel that extra energy into. And thank the good Lord, I was able to have some musical ability to actually make that work. Well, that's what I wanted to touch on too, is just the power of creativity and how the mind works. And if you're able to find a creative outlet or figure out a way to express your creative not talents, yeah. or even not if it's a talent, if it's just something that you're interested in, but just to be able to find that creative outlet and be able to use that, how it changes your, you know, like your limbic system in your mind and the balance between left and right brain and how it gives you just such a, a freedom and yeah. expression. And ever since I started producing and not just playing music, I hear music totally differently. I can focus on individual parts of songs and things like that. Like one thing that drives me crazy about a lot of the, current uh mumble rap hip-hop stuff that's super popular is they purposely use a hi-hat tone that is like stabs me in the ear that basically you can't ignore it part of the reason why they do that is so that if their rap flow isn't particularly good or the music isn't good that particular sound hits your brain and most people don't even know it so it's like you focus on that and you don't realize that the rapper is not even that talented and the music's really not that good because it has this overriding hi-hat that they purposely put to a tone where you literally cannot ignore it. Interesting, like a diversion technique to ignore the bad music. Yeah, and, and I hear that and it drives me totally crazy and a lot of other casual listeners don't even pick up on it. Like and it's not even that it's a hi-hat, it's just they do certain things to it to sonically kind of slice through everything and to serve as, in my humble opinion, since I've been producing as a really nifty little distraction to what a jumbled mess the rest of it is. Creativity, I feel, is just hugely important in our lives. Hugely important. It gives us a way to kind of sort out our emotions. Yeah, I would and, agree. And Or ca try to categorize things, make more sense of things. But it seems like what you're doing with the music is being able to take, I don't even know what your inspiration is for each piece that you're working with sometimes i don't either <laughs> it just kind of happens i could i could have all the free time in the world and just be staring at a blank screen and get frustrated and 
And other times you have 30 pieces at the same time. Yeah. So that's why I like to keep the creativity going though. That's why I like to be juggling so many different, what I would call, they're not even songs, they're like frameworks. As as I develop in, in them into songs, I like to have at least 10 to like 15 of them. So in case I do go back and listen to it and other, I hate it, I just get rid of it. I don't want, I always want to have something in reserve. I don't like, you know, and some of the songs will get released and some won't. And some will change 20 or 30 times and seven months later, it'll be on an album and other ones are just kind of cast aside. But I like having that. Even if a song's going really well, oftentimes I'll be like, I'm going to stop this song right here. I'm just going to open a totally new project and I don't even know what I'm going to do, but I'm just going to start something new. So I rarely will start something, finish it, and then produce it. And no, I've tried that and I feel like I get too confined. So I like that freedom. And you get stressed out. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. For you, you need to be able to bounce. Yeah. My my second album, Socio's Path, was really difficult to make. It's probably the hardest because I had a very traumatic experience when I was younger, which led to me being a pretty unsavory bully and whatnot. And I wanted to, I felt like, okay, I released one album. Now, if I'm going to continue to make music at all and release it, I have to get the worst, darkest parts of me, write a soundtrack to that and put it out. And if I don't do that, I don't feel like I'm going to have any creativity left musically to explore new things musically. So that was the only album I literally made a song, followed it through, finished. But the focus was so incredibly narrow in that particular album that it had to be like that. But it was such a difficult experience for me to do, but I had to do it, that I chose that once I survived that album, now I'm gonna, it's gonna be free flow and just kind of have musical ADD and just go all over the place, so. It sounds like that was almost cathartic or a, like a trauma release for you to be able yeah, to do that one. Yeah, definitely, definitely. The, the album cover, the first two albums I did, the album covers were, they don't have any logo or anything that says six skin on it or anything like that. The first one, I never even thought of it, to be honest with you. I just didn't think I needed that. I just took a picture out of my backyard that I thought looked cool and made an album cover out of it. But the second one, I actually had a painting commission from somebody I was working with. And it's basically this little boy, and this is honestly the first uh, human he ever painted. He used to just do naturescapes and stuff. And it's this little boy walking through like a snowy landscape with some blood trudging behind him and some blood on like a machete. And then there's like ugly faces stretched on the trees and everything is white and gray except for the blood really catches your eye. And that was like me kind of wandering through the wasteland of trying to write a soundtrack to the worst thing that ever happened to me. I don't know if you care to expound upon what happened. Uh, not not particularly, yeah. but it was uh, it, it just easily the worst thing that ever happened in my life. And I just felt like the only way I could really officially deal with it would be, let's see if I can use this music to kind of put it into proper perspective, I guess. And it sounds like that was a way for you to heal. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, definitely. And I, I felt I'm still, I'm really proud of everything I released, but that one, that one took a lot. There were nights I'd be after working on it for like three hours, I'd 
come to bed crying and I wouldn't fall asleep for like two hours. It was just from such a deep place. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It must have been a deep, dark place. Yep. Yeah. And now I can go back and listen to it, which I do listen to I was going to gonna ask you that, that, how that is now if you go back to I can go back show. and listen to it and I really enjoy it. I know where it came from, but that doesn't necessarily have to be where it ended up. And it's not where you are now. No. I did not know that part of your story. Where were you did you feel called to start that first album and to produce that one just as it was, a way? It was to just release? on a whim, really, the first album, just to see if I could do it. Could I make twelve songs that I wanted other people to hear? And then the second one was like, could I write the soundtrack to the worst thing in my life? And then the third one is after that was burden was kind of shed. The third one was like, what the hell? Let's see what I can do. And what, what can I learn and how can I grow and how can I become a better musician, a better producer, and honestly a better person because of having the confidence that this gives me and the overall ambition to challenge myself intellectually, emotionally, to keep making music because that's really when I what I want to do. And there's so many layers to that to like try to explore. Of You have gone through that. You come out the other side. Your music is there. Now it's it's forever. But now you're able to move forward and produce music and, and from almost like a, a different soul space, a different heart space because you're Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Free. Yeah. But I felt like if I didn't do that at some point, I wouldn't enjoying it wouldn't be enjoying it as much as I do. So it's like let's take the worst shit that I could possibly think of and let's deal with that right away. And then And that was brave. It, and then it can only get better from there. I'm sure that took Hopefully. a lot of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it did, it did, so. But it probably took a lot of courage even for you at the beginning just to be like expressing that. Yeah, I remember telling Barb that that's what I was gonna do and right away she was like, are you sure you wanna do that? Right. And I was like, I feel like I have to or else I'm just wasting time. Like ripping off the bandaid, but even subconsciously there's so, so much that probably comes to the surface. But I'm glad that you were able to do that yeah, and take that creativity and then move on with it after that. It's like the, the your creative abilities were able to heal you from yeah. the inside out. And that's like that's one reason why I like Nine Inch Nails so much is Trent, I would say, is a musical genius, but he's always needed music to deal with the darkest parts of himself. And it always comes out being something totally relatable to his fans. I mean, and you've seen them live. We took you to one of the shows. Like, yes, thank you. It's a different experience. And how many shows have you been to with Nine Inch Nails? Uh, I think it's 28. 20, 28. Yeah. That's remarkable. Yeah. When you think of other people who might be interested in starting music or starting to create their own music, or you think of your own experiences, what kind of advice would you give them to be able to start and and like set the emotions aside or just put the emotions on full throttle and just well, dive yeah. in. One thing that's really cool is there's there's two sides of the internet. Number one, internet has made music more accessible for the average person to make it in a bedroom, which is what I do. Which is awesome because so many more people can actually do it and they have the technology to do it and they don't need a record label telling them what to do or what to make or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, the confines and the how to do it. But the other part is, is if people want to do it for a living, it's almost impossible unless you tour because streaming doesn't pay at all, really, to speak of. Which is another reason why I'm glad I never set out to do this as a career because I don't want it ever to be a job. I want it to be a challenge, but not something I have to do to survive and to eat because that just, then I wouldn't enjoy it at all. 
you know, I do love my job, but I'd like that to be my job and this to be my creative challenge. So for people that are looking to get started with it, as long as you're realistic about it and realize if you don't want to go on tour and travel the world and everything and possibly get consumed by all the trappings that come with it, then, you know, just go for it. But be realistic in the fact that just make the music that you want to make for yourself and don't do it for anybody else other than you. And you'll find out there might be a lot of people out there. I'm pleasantly surprised when I get my monthly reports that people are finding my music when I literally don't advertise it at all, which a lot of people probably think is stupid because why are you going to put all this time and effort into it and not advertise it? But I feel like there's enough people out there that are looking for something different because what's on the radio is so prefab manufactured garbage for the most part. It's just yes, a bunch of watered down. a bunch of earworms to make your day go by. But there are a lot of people that want more and demand more from their art and from their music. That's how I feel anyway. That's why I listen to so many different kinds of artists and genres because I don't feel this. Nobody feels exactly the same every day, at least hopefully not. That's not too healthy either. But if you're feeling a little down, I'm going to put on this or... You know, if I want to wake up, I'm going to put on something with a little more energy or, you know, if I'm going to work out, I want to listen to some heavy metal and get, you know, grit my teeth a little bit or anything like that. That's what's so great about music. It can be such a collective thing and such an individual thing at the exact same time, both for the people making it and people listening to it. Well, and for people that you've had approach you who wanted to make their own music, you have brought them here. Right. And say, you know, this is this is what I use. This is how I do it. You know, this is these are tools that you can just purchase for yourself. Right. And you don't have to have a gigantic studio full of, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars of equipment. You can just literally play on on the keyboard that comes with your computer or your iPad and just to even open up the door to these people because most people don't even know that yeah, that's they don't, a thing. Yeah, they don't know where to start, you know? And that's one thing that's so cool about the technology of it is that it is readily available. You can buy some decent, you know, editing software and, and recording software for anywhere from two to $500. And then you just got to have the wherewithal to have some time and just, just experiment. Don't, don't let anybody say this... This doesn't go with that. And that beat doesn't go with this. And that's that's up to you. If you're going to spend the time on it, you know, and there might be one other person across the planet that agrees that that's the coolest song they ever heard or nobody may ever hear it. But if you still want to do it, just, just do it. Do it for yourself. I love that. And just being able to encourage people through your own music and through your own venture of producing music. Yeah. To, to try it on their own. Mm-hmm. If you could give some advice to somebody who is kind of thinking like, I love music, I want to do something with it, even as a passion project, as a hobby, what kind of advice would you give them? Uh, well, whether you want to be a producer or DJ or anything, just kind of look at your options for what equipment is out there. Ask a lot of questions. And if you already have an instrument, you just want to figure out how to record and stuff like that. There's so many options available to you. There's a lot of great like Guitar Center and Sweetwater have a lot of people that you can even talk to over the phone that can show you how to hook stuff up or there's so many videos online and stuff like that. And my biggest advice is just do do it for you. If you find that you're in a band and you you find like-minded individuals or people that you can work with, that's 
That's one thing I've learned with music. I'm pretty set in my ways and I have worked with people from time to time, but I feel like I work best by myself. So you've done some collaboration pieces? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the album with my nephew that we did was uh, a project that we called uh, Bones and Blood. And it was because we were related. And also because we called it Bones and Blood because he was the rapper and he had the flow. So flowing like blood. And I was Bones that had the beats that kind of provided the structure and stuff like that. And it was a really difficult time for that particular project as well, because my dad was basically in the last couple months of his life and we knew that's where that was going. I think we released that, made it like over the course of a month, but it gave a really cool opportunity for the two of us to connect because we were seeing more of each other for not good reasons because we were visiting my dad and hospital and hospice care and all that stuff. So it was a really welcome distraction to to do something like that. And it really stretched me working. That was the first time I ever worked with vocals. And Barb will kill me for saying this, but she sang on that record too. She has a great voice, but she only prefers to sing in church, but I convinced her. And so. now I'm going to have to go back and listen to that. <laughs> but uh, Is yeah. that on your discography? Is that um No, not under Six Skin. Okay. But it would be, yeah, we just did the just a one-off kind of thing. And it was, it was 12 songs. And I told him, if I'm going to work on this, I don't want to hear the same run-of-the-mill 808 trap beat rap stuff. I want, to, I want the music to actually matter. And I want your voice to shine and just... You come with me with the lyrics and we'll record it and we'll kind of develop it. And you tell me what you like with the music and I'll tell you how we can put it together. And it, it worked out really well. What I mean, is the name of that album? Uh, Bones and Blood is the kind of artist name we put it out. And it's a Dirty White Dozen because we're a bunch of dirty white boys and there's a dozen songs on the album. So. <laughs> But there's no cussing on that. Well, there's some, but oh. not not as much as there is in other rap songs. So you had mentioned earlier something about trying to work on multiple tracks at the same time. Yeah. And some people, if they're stuck, like trying to make a business decision or something, they will do something creative to get the subconscious mind flowing, and then you know sometimes you sleep on it and you have the answer. Sure. Does that how is that how you work with your music that you are able to dip into so many different tracks at the same time that like your subconscious can be working on multiple ones and then all of a sudden like ta-da here's how this yeah. should go yeah yeah it feels like for me the creative process works better if I'm juggling a bunch of different things just because I don't want to get stuck into well this is going to be my straight electronic you know album and this is going to be more. I'm just going to make a rock song and that's what I'm going to make. You know, it's like, I want to just juggle as many different things as I can to keep me stimulated to where I want to keep working on music. There'll be times though, where I'll have the time and I'll just stare at that screen. And I'll, after like an hour, I just shut everything off. I'm like, today's not the day. I'm just not feeling it, you know? And you'll get that for like a week and you'll be so mad. Yeah, I'm like you know, you just have to wait it out, and all so, of a sudden, for some sometimes reason, sometimes it's like for like two months, and wow. it's not that anything's different, bad, or different in my life or anything like that. It's just the faucet just got shut off. Mm -hmm. That's why when it is on, I want to do as much as I can and just as many different things as I can. You know, I could go from having probably like a month ago, I had like twelve songs, and now I have twenty one. And that you're working on simultaneously. Yeah, I'd still call them frameworks, but I made six frameworks in like four hours. 
of stuff that just flew together. And they're all different kinds of things. But it doesn't always work like that. So when it is happening, I want to I'll work on it for like an hour. I'm like, okay, this is a cool start. Let's do something totally different. Let's open a brand new project and see if, if it keeps coming like that. And that's how I can kind of bank these songs. And then I like to let them kind of sit there and ferment and then go back and be like, well, I wouldn't have put this piano part here, but now I've had some time to think about it and I've done all these other projects. I want to revisit this one. And now all of a sudden this piano part sounds really cool right here. Or originally I had a piano part there and I want it to be a synth part instead because kind of like when we're working on your intro right now, you're like, well, I like this, this, and this, but I don't like that track. So we can take that out. Now I can wait a week or so or a couple of days and go back and revisit it. And all of a sudden actually write something else that's that works with it better. That's how I like to keep keep all those things kind of juggling at the same time. And I think that's where my brain is so different because you don't have to compartmentalize it and you're able to just let, like you said, the faucet flow or the you know inspiration come to you and you're able to put down as much as you can and then go back and rework it and work on all these things simultaneously. And I'm fascinated by that. Yeah, I feel like that's where my best ideas, I guess, have come from in, in my opinion on stuff that I've worked on. Not that I can't do it regimented, but I've tried it and since the second album and what that meant and it just it works better for me this way it's just how my brain works if it you can even say it works at all but <laughs> going back to the whole power of creativity and for people who might be you know experiencing different things in their life especially past co post covid and how i feel the world is so disconnected is there any inspiration you can give people you know the topic of the the podcast conversations to inspire anything you can say to inspire other people to Maybe pursue their passions or pursue yeah, I would, creativity? I always wanted to play a musical instrument. And the first couple times I did it, it really didn't go well with guitar. I just didn't have the dexterity and the ability to properly play the instrument. And I just kept trying different things until I hit on a keyboard and something that really resonated with me. And I think people get too discouraged right away because it, we live in such a fast food drive through culture that if they're not good at something right away, they just drop it and they, they're like, forget it. They want such instant gratification and everything's just single serving gratification. It's like a lot of people have lost a long view of what could be. And hard work is, you know, hard work is really the thing that I think makes, makes a difference. If you want to, uh, this is going to sound bad, but a lot of, it takes talent to be a DJ. I get that. But when it comes to live music and things like that, you go and watch these DJs push a couple of buttons and literally 40,000 people will show up and watch this person pushing a couple of buttons and consider them a legitimate artist. And part of the reason why I think that's so popular is in this fast food culture of ours, people don't want to take the time to learn guitar or an instrument that actually takes years to get good at. The technology is a blessing on the one side, but also... It almost makes it too easy. And I think that's where you get a lot of these cookie cutter radio songs, you know, because people either don't have, want to invest the time and to listen to music that makes them feel something and they sure as hell don't seem to want to put a lot of time. Now, this isn't everybody, but a lot of people don't want to put a lot of time in actually getting good at something that takes effort. And that's why I think a lot of the current hip hop music that's out and pop music is so generic and blah to me because it is so engineered and it is so 
easily made. A lot of these artists, if you want to call them that, can put out two or three albums in a year because they just have to throw a couple of lyrics on top of stuff that everybody else is making. And then they, if they do want to play live, they even have vocal backing tracks and stuff that make up for their inability to actually sing and things like that. I just think it's people don't want to put in the time and the effort, but if it's something that really matters to you, that should be part of what makes it good is to put forth a lot of time and effort into it or whatever you can put into it because that's when the best stuff comes out. And that totally resonates with me as well. I mean, one thing that was cool about COVID though is there were so many people that picked up an instrument. Like guitar sales were at record highs. So that kind of contradicts what I'm saying. So it gives me hope that there are people now that they actually had the time they wanted to do something to stop themselves from going crazy. So they actually picked up instruments that take some doing. And hopefully they're still playing them today and, and progressing. Hopefully. And yeah, just hopefully. set them aside like, next to the weight bench. Yeah. And what about kids, younger kids, who maybe don't have access to a lot, but they just like, they feel like called or drawn to do something with music. And maybe they don't have a lot of money in the family to do anything. You were saying that you could have access to things online. Yeah. Is there a, a way to point some people into well, I mean, like, that direction? If you have an iPhone, GarageBand is free. And I use Logic Pro X, which is like the pro the professional version of that. Not that I'm a professional musician, but it's, it's more in-depth. But GarageBand can do a lot of the same things. And it comes on any iPad or iPhone. So you can build music for free on that. And all the samples and stuff that they use on there are royalty free too. So it's not like if you do release a song, it becomes really popular. People are going to come after you because you plagiarize something. As long as, you know, whether if they have a school that they could use an iPad from or something like that, or most everybody has a cell phone these days, you know, a lot of those sort of apps, like especially on Apple products, that actually GarageBand is what I started using. Well, I used Cakewalk first. And then as soon as I went to an Apple product, I used GarageBand. And then I spent the extra money on the Logic Pro X and they'll update it too. Whenever they update it, it's a free update. You don't have to buy it again. So, I mean, that's one thing that's really cool about that. And you had mentioned there's how many tracks available to you on your Logic Pro X? Oh, Logic Pro X, like as far as loops that you can use, uh, there's like 29,000. Plus there's a, a subscription service that you can, a lot of professional musicians and artists use called Splice. And for like, $150 for a calendar year, you can download 100, 100 loops a month and use them in your music. They're all royalty free. And even if you discontinue that service, you have access to those loops. So if you don't want to continually resubscribe, but a lot of times the loops are a really good thing to start from. You know, it's like, I like this beat, it's 16 bars. I'm going to throw it into the project and I'm going to start beat, building something from that. And then you can layer two or three different beats to come up with a completely different beat versus just the main sample that it started with. Or you can even take those samples, the original, you know, four bar sample and slice it up and re-engineer it. There's actually a really cool, uh, talented guy named Andrew Huang. He has a whole YouTube series. If you like music at all, I would definitely check it out. He's was one segment called four, one sample for producers and they just take like a five second sample and they just use that sample and these different producers will slice it and reuse it and recycle it and make completely 
different songs out of the same sample. It's it's incredible. And what was that? Which channel on YouTube? Uh, his name is Andrew Huang, H-U-A-N-G. But he is like, I think he's got a degree in music theory and all kinds of stuff. He's a musician and a producer too. But and he works with some pretty famous people too, like DJs and stuff you might recognize. And they make completely different songs out of one existing sample, which is a royalty-free sample. You don't even recognize that sample. And that's yeah. just a neat launching pad, too, if anyone's interested in how that works, how your music works, sure. and how the publishing and the production of it yeah, works. Yeah, Splice, Splice is awesome. And then there's a lot of different plugins you can use with Logic Pro X that there's one called uh, by a company called Output called Arcade that can just do so much stuff. And it just like it's like instant creativity. As long as you have the patience to just kind of poke around in it a little bit. But yeah, it works great with recording software in there, too. But yeah, that's one thing that's cool about the technology. It is more accessible than than ever before. Right, and anyone with a phone would be able to access those and start sure. playing and, and yep. at least learn the foundations of it. Right, and, and like with- their creativity. Yeah, with my distribution company that I go through, the fact that you can release an album on every streaming service, even my music's on TikTok now and stuff too, for $90 with tracking on who's listening to it. That's just insane. Even 20 years ago, if you didn't know somebody in the music business or a record label, you, you couldn't even get your music released. So that's really a good thing. But it also makes it harder, too, because there's so much more music out there. Some people don't even know where to look. And I, I feel sorry for people that just cling to the radio. There's so much more phenomenal music out there. Whether you go, go to a concert, even if it's a band you kind of like, you might find a opening band that's even better than the band that you went right. there for. You know, we just had that when we went to see Nothing More is a great band live. We saw his band from England, Sleep Token, and they're just phenomenal. And Barb is wearing the shirt. Yeah. <laughs> that's and that's awesome. what we love, like going to festivals too, like Riot Fest and Lollapalooza, because there's so many different artists there. And look at the undercard. Yeah. That's like the Yeah, best people part go for the headliners and half the time. Like Lollapalooza has always been one of those festivals that's kind of ahead of the curve. Like so many people like Macklemore and Billie Eilish and people were playing at like two in the afternoon three years before they're on the radio. And all of a sudden you just look at them, you're like, Yeah, they're probably gonna be pretty big. And all of a sudden they're everywhere. Does Lollapalooza travel around the country or is it just Chicago? It used to. It's just <laughs> Chicago now, but they actually just added India, but they have Stockholm, Berlin. Brazil. So they have like different Brazil, Colombia. So they're kind of a global thing again, but they don't travel per se and they'll have different lineups and stuff. Any other advice if you were to drop anything else for anybody wanting to get started with producing their own music? There's a lot of great information on YouTube on, on, how, on how to get started. Just making your music is one thing, but I mean, you can pay people to produce your music, but it's not cheap. And if you want to learn how to do it, what to listen for, and how to develop your ear for music, there's there's tons of great tutorials on places like YouTube and that. There's still plugins and different things. Since I'm not a professional, I'm not paying someone $10,000 to mix my album, that it won't totally blow your sound system out like it could. But I do the best I can, and when I get it to a point where I think it's good in my opinion, with the skills and, and equipment that I have, that's usually when I decide to release it. But I also never say, I got to make an album and put it out at such and such time. It's just whenever the time is right. Because I'm always working on different projects at different stages. Some are already done. 
and then I move on to other things. And then if an album comes together, it comes together, then great. But if it isn't quite ready yet, I'm not going to just keep hammering away until I have. And I, I don't even know when I come up with the album, I don't know if it's going to have 12 songs on it or 14 or 24. I've done all different ones. It's just like, and it doesn't necessarily have to be that there's a common theme or anything like that. It's just right now, these are the songs that I feel like are a good collection of stuff to release. But I don't, I don't start something and go, this song is, this album is going to have 10 songs on it or 12 songs and it's going to be 48 minutes long and it's going to go just like this. But I do spend time on like hoping that a lot of people listen to it like in single serving songs, but I also do spend time when I get the songs that I want to put on an album, like picking the song order and trying to get at least some cohesive, you know, cohesive flow to it. I had read that working with music, um, especially when kid with kids, when you start off learning an instrument or something when you're younger, it really influences your linguistic ability, your verbal ability to communicate. And I even see that with you, just mm-hmm. in talking with you, just being able to be to articulate it all so well. The the whole not only the process, but internally like how you feel about music and the whole creative side of music and the publishing yeah. uh, not the publishing but the what do you call it producing yeah, side producing, producing and mixing and stuff like that yeah. yeah yeah because these a lot of the things you can work with and the stuff you can play like it still needs development like sonically to get either a different texture or you know that's why a lot of bands when they play live the biggest investment is the sound guy he, he can make them sound like heroes or they can sound like, why did I pay 50 bucks to see this? You know, not that they're not talented musicians, but if the, if the sound system of the venue is bad or the sound guy is off that night, it, it can make a world of difference. And if you want to go see that band live again or not, that's why I've seen Nine Inch Nails 28 times because they just, the sound is just so immersive. It's like, that's a good word. So it's hard not to feel something when you see that in person. So for our listeners that want to reach out to you and they want to, to um, listen to your music and they want to get in touch with you or follow you on, on Instagram, so they can find you on Spotify, um, yeah. yep. Apple Music. Yep. Social. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> underscore six skin, S-I-X-T-H-S-K-I-N. Uh, it's just my musical moniker, I guess. I came up with it. Six is my favorite number. And... The worst thing I've had to deal with most of my life is really crappy skin. So <laughs> I wanted to take a positive and a negative and just kind of mash it together. And it just sounded good off my tongue, I guess. So it's, it's hard for people to say, which kind of makes me smile too. <laughs> it's a tongue twister. Six like you have to skin. spell it for everybody. Yeah. Six yeah. skin. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything yeah. else you wanted to add before we finish up for the day? Uh, I wish you lots of luck in your podcast adventures. And thank hopefully you. I don't screw up your intro and outro on, <laughs> on the musical side. So. <laughs> It'll be golden. I know. Well, well, thank you very, very much, Matt yeah. and Barb. All right. Thank yeah. you very much. Thank, thank you, you, Teresa. This is Conversations to Inspire with your host, Teresa Moore. Join us next week as we explore a different facet of the mind-body-spirit connection. Help promote the show by subscribing and following this podcast and leave a five-star review so we can continue to get incredible guests as we dive further into the mind-body-spirit connection.